Hey, folks, before you dig into this episode, we got this with Mark and Hal. Be aware we do discuss WandaVision, which includes spoilers. So if you haven't seen the whole thing, just put a pin in this episode until you've had a chance to watch it in its entirety. And then come on back. We'll be waiting for you. Thanks. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Infinity Stone. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Hal, this is a first on the show. Yes. I am pretty sure that I just met our guests moments ago, but I am certain that we have benefited from the work of our guest on this show many times in the past. Yes, I think so. And all of the times that we've gone to the web to research our topics, myriad different articles about all kinds of cool pop culture things that we do on the show. Chances are we have copied the homework and cribbed off of the paper of our guest today, Alicia Grouso, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting. Yeah, this is a podcasting blind date. Now, Alicia, just so everybody knows, if you don't know, now you will, as a features editor for Screen Rant and also the editorial lead for Adam Tickets. And we certainly have used Screen Rant quite a bit in mm-hmm. our research, both pre-research and when Mark does stuff live and all the things that people don't hear in the podcast was like, uh, all right, Ken, cut this out. Hold on a this out. I got to go to Screen Rant for a second. And then I get to watch him scroll, which is just <laughs> captivating. I'm very good at scrolling. And I got to say, Alicia, your writing is wonderful, and it is very difficult for me not to okay. simply make this episode about being a grammar nerd and ask you a million yeah. grammar questions. Tell us about your relationship with Marvel, with what got you to where you are right now, like in your fandom and in your writing. Yeah. Well, real quick, though, on the grammar nerd thing, I have Mm -hmm. to say dictionary.com made supposedly a word the other day. No. No, Why? And I'm still mad about it two days later. Why would they do that? That's terrible. It's like, we don't negotiate with terrorists. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, still salty about it. Marvel, I mean... It's one of those things that it's kind of like ubiquitous, right? Mm -hmm. But even before the MCU, you know, people have always kind of known Marvel characters, especially Spider-Man. And I uh, grew up, you know, knowing Spider-Man and liking Spider-Man. And he was always my favorite of the heroes. I I never was a kid that loved, like, villains. It was like, Mm -hmm. I want to be Darth Vader. I want to be, I was like, I want to be Luke Skywalker or Princess Leia. And, And I always loved the nerdy characters. like. Super sad, but out of all the Ghostbusters, Egon was my favorite. And out of oh, all there's the nothing turtles, sad about that at all. He's amazing. and out of all the turtles, like Donatello was my boy because he wore glasses <laughs> like me and yep, he was like me. So my gateway drug into Marvel, as I think it is for many kids, was Spider Man. Mm-hmm. And then my first real boyfriend in high school, you know, my first teenage love, um, he was also a huge Spider Man fan, and so that just kind of cemented it. And then I kind of got away from it in college. You know, you get up, grow up, you get a little bit older. And that was that time period where it was kind of before the, like the modern superhero movies started to come out. And the ones that came out in the nineties were really 
not great. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them, they were a little bit ahead of their time and not to get too terribly personal here, but I suffered my first bout of depression in college mm-hmm. and I didn't know what it was. Like, cause I grew up in a small town, a country town, you know, this was still back before, like we openly talked about this stuff and I didn't know what it was. I thought I was just being lazy because I didn't want to get out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> and finally yeah. my sister, who was one of my, we lived in a house, the other two other girls. Finally, my sister was like, I don't think this is normal. And I was like, I don't either, but I don't care. But I also kind of don't care that I don't care. And um, I went from being like a former straight A honors college student to really struggling in classes. And the first Spider-Man movie was one of the first things that I did where I went, I actually like left the house. (laughs) And something about that movie just clicked for me. And I realized it was the first time in what felt like years, but it really probably only been like weeks, maybe months that I felt something again. And it rekindled my love of Spider-Man and just reminded me that superheroes really do matter. Like they matter and they can help people and they can heal people and they can save people. And I always read comics. Um, I was definitely more of a Marvel fan. I read both Marvel and DC and a few others, but I was definitely more of a Marvel fan just because again, I kind of naturally gravitated more toward their hopeful, uplifting, and a little bit more you know, kind of realistic. Um, they, mm-hmm. they, they're not mythical gods. They're, they're somebody like Peter Parker. Who's like, they're not F ups like Peter Parker, who, you know, <laughs> which I, I appreciated good. The cats are fighting over the cardboard box. So I'm sure that won't be picked up on. <laughs> Look, I get it. Hal and I have fought over a cardboard box and it almost ended this podcast. Yeah. yeah that was our second episode is who's no. going to get this cardboard box. <laughs> and it did not end well. Didn't even end it. Try, and that's how bad it was. So that's how I kind of grew up with it. And so really it's been kind of Spider-Man all throughout. Like he's always been, mm-hmm. you know, my favorite, but through him and uh, again, with him is kind of the entry point. That's how I got to love all of you know a lot of the other Marvel characters too, um, and I do love some DC characters. It's just that Marvel, I always found I related a little bit more to those characters. Yeah, there is a grounded aspect to Marvel mm-hmm. in that it feels more like it's planted in an actual world. Well, yeah, they've got you're in New York. You're not in Gotham City yeah. or Metropolis. Yeah. So. And, and yeah. you touched on the fact that they're not gods; they are all. Every single hero is imperfect in one way or another. They have mm-hmm. some fatal flaw mm-hmm. that doesn't come from a weakness to radioactive material from their exploded yeah. home planet. Right. But it's fear or don't have any money or just pick whatever haunted by something. It doesn't necessarily have to, you know, Spider-Man is in the mold of a Batman in that he suffered a great loss that kickstarted mm-hmm. his superhero journey in addition to getting bitten by that spider. But more than that, he not only has to deal with being a superhero and having that responsibility, but also having no money and getting through high school and then college and then never being able to afford his life. And that is something we can all identify with. And it brings Mm -hmm. us closer to a superhero with bills. Yeah, I think it's also that aspect, too, of, you know, a lot of people have been like, well, being a superhero causes so many problems and because he has to bail on Mary Jane all the time and he has to miss out on dates and and things that they're supposed to do. And and why doesn't he just not, you know, if he hears the siren, why doesn't he just skip it or why doesn't he just ignore it? And I was like, think of how many times somebody has put an assignment in your lap or your boss has asked you to do one extra thing. How often you've said yes and how rarely you say no because you feel obligated to do it. And that's just like a stupid spreadsheet. So, you know, (laughs) when it comes to like the choice is I go on this date with Mary Jane or someone might die. So that's kind of relatable too, is that, that intense guilt to feel like you can't say no to anything. I was like, Oh, that's relatable. Peter Parker. 
And they blow it up brilliantly in him because every time he ignores the siren, it would be a reminder of the first time he ever ignored Mm -hmm. a crime which led to the death of his uncle. So every time he doesn't answer the call, somebody's Uncle Ben is going to die in his head. So he's compelled, just like that is one of the more interesting things about Batman as a character. He's trying to save everybody because he knows what it was like when his parents died. Mm -hmm. You could either say he's trying to avenge the death of his parents or trying to prevent it from happening to anybody else. But that that guilt is a... (laughs) <laughs> that guilt is a right. motivator. I have to admit, I like all of the other characters in the Bat family more than I like Batman. That's like, fair. I'm so mad we haven't gotten a Nightwing or Batgirl movie yet. Yes. Yes. I'm not sure there's anybody out there that has the right butt for Dick Grayson. Just throwing it out there. They have to <laughs> have gonna have to, there will be implants. A lot of squats. A lot of squats. Yeah. The pads in the suit. Get a Schumacher uh, seat immediately. Yeah. But put nipples on the butt this time. I want to see a Bat Horse <laughs> movie. That's the only one I want to see. I'm sorry. Show what is a bad horse? horse? There, it's, a, it's a 1950s. Oh in God. Silver Age, like there were all the Kryptonian animals. Mm-hmm. So you get like Streaky the cat and Crypto the dog. And there's a horse there. I think Supergirl had a horse. Well, they're doing the well. DC Super Pets movie, aren't they? Are they? Yeah, they're doing I a mean, DC Super Pets movie. I mean, is Noggin doing it? Or like, is it, <laughs> it's going to actually be a grown up movie? I don't know if it's actually, it might be animated. Yeah. Mm. My turn to scroll. I'll look I hope up. it's going to be at least minimally animated and it's not going to look like a nature documentary. They're like, no, no, no. We got to make these seem real. We're not going to animate the mouth. Oh, yeah. It's going to be just going to be Morgan Freeman narrating. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's an action comedy animated. Superman's dog teams up with a flying cat to stop crime while Superman is on vacation. Yes. I'm in. But yeah, but talking about the movies and stuff, though, I think X-Men was groundbreaking, the movies. And then Spider-Man, I think, was even more groundbreaking still just because it really elevated the storytelling. And also, I think we I I wrote a video essay on this a couple of years ago, but I think we really underestimate the way Spider-Man moves on screen was really different than it. It wasn't just like the punch kick pow of most superheroes like he was yeah. doing things that we'd never seen before and i think that elevated it too and what was possible cgi at the time because that was still kind of in the early days of superhero cgi and You're talking toby era right yeah, yeah yeah sam raimi toby era and i will say that sometimes the cgi on spider-man can still get a little wonky just because he's one of those characters that he doesn't move like a human it all has to be CGI. Um, But then the Marvel Cinematic Universe came along and I really have a lot of respect for what they did because this should not have worked. Like just the amount of planning and the foresight and the collaboration and the way that they got so many personalities. And Hollywood has a lot of not necessarily difficult personalities, although it does, but a lot of creative people. When you have creative people, they have their own ideas about how they want things done. And that Marvel was able to get so many filmmakers and so many writers all together to make this giant cohesive interconnected universe with the Infinity Stones, you know, linking the first three phases. It is insane to me that they set out to say, we're going to basically do the comic book format in movies with the overarching like event and then all the tie-ins and they did that they did exactly that and that just still blows my mind like i really don't think we fully appreciate even as much as we appreciate marvel i don't think we still fully appreciate everything they pulled off it's stunning that you've got yeah you've got um, no movie studio in history took all of their movies and connected them you know what i mean mgm in the 1930s was not connecting all of their musicals and dramas. And like, you're not going to see James Cagney in. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, it. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I love. And they tied them together with our topic for today. 
<laughs> as you mentioned, well segued, by the way. Trying, yes. trying back in there. To the Infinity Stones. And that's what we're here to talk about. For those who need a quick refresher, the people of the world listening, I will quote Wong from the Infinity War film. From the dawn of the universe, there was nothing. Then, boom. The Big Bang sent six elemental crystals hurtling across the virgin universe. These infinity stones each control an essential aspect of existence. Hal, tell us about the stones. Oh, well, you got time, mind, space, power, reality, and soul. The soul gem is actually the first one to ever appear. It appeared in Marvel Comics in 1972, I think. But mm-hmm. they're most known for Jim Starlin's run with Thanos Quest, Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War. But what the MCU did brilliantly, and I, we could have the discussion in either realm. It's really about the stones themselves. Mm-hmm. But they managed to get the idea of the stones without having to deal with people. Like Collector is involved, but you don't have the gardener, the runner, the champion, which is where Thanos finds them. He finds people who have hyper-focused on one thing using the stones, and he goes and collects them all. And that leads into more hijinks and hilarity that the MCU manages <laughs> to lift bits and pieces of it mm-hmm. to still bring the spirit of the comics in while doing it in a fresh way. And they, and they found, a, I thought, a really good way of weaving in all of the stones into the movies, including the first one we see, which is the Tesseract in Captain America, the first Avenger. It's like every MacGuffin in all of the Marvel movies turns out to be an infinity stone of some sort, even the ether, which is not remotely a stone. No, that was the one thing I was like, okay, I have a quibble with the The ether felt like they were trying to really no, no, no. This is one of the infinity stones too. And you're like, come on guys. Yeah. And they did. I will admit they fudge some of the stones Mm -hmm. like with, yeah, like with the ether being the reality. So I'm like, I don't really see how this is warping reality. She just kind of, her eyes just go black. Like I'm not really like, like some of them were really clearly defined. And it was funny because I feel like you can tell when the writers were like, yes, I can take this idea and I can build the entire movie around it. That works. It fits neatly into this, like the f- first Guardians of the Galaxy. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Or yes. two. Yeah. Okay. It'll be some red flowy stuff that Jane Foster gets. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's. I'm like, well, okay, let's, all right. Let's start breaking these down then. Uh, let's, let's go one by one. Let's start with the ether. The ether is the reality stone, theoretically, in gas. I guess everything has a solid, like a liquid, and a gas form, wood. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The ether, what it does in the film. Yeah, it, it does something completely different. What traditionally in the comics has the reality stone done? Do you guys know? Like, I know it does something completely different in the first Infinity War movie than it does throughout all of Thor the Dark World. At no point in Thor the Dark well, World does someone yeah. just say, now I'm going to change the reality around me and use it to trick people into thinking left is right, right is left. Yeah. They've changed a little bit in the comics. They can be a little bit, some of them a little, it's almost a little bit like the movies. Like they can be a little bit like Batman's utility belt sometimes. Where sure. It's like- Shark repellent bat spray. Yeah, and you're like, I'm not sure if this, like, oh, we need this plot point to happen. This stone can do this now. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there does seem to be a lot of that. Yeah, but they, I mean, they function pretty much exactly as you would imagine them to Mm -hmm. function. But they've 
kind of with many things in the comic books that are these kind of grander abstract concepts, they sometimes suit the story. Right. Rather than, it's, it's like the, not the story suiting that element, but mm-hmm. the, uh, the other way around, at least as, as kind of I've gotten from it when I've read the comics, but how may feel differently. No, I, I agree with you. I think the reality, the one thing that's similar in the movies and the comics is that the collector is in possession of the yes. reality stone when Thanos yeah. comes for it. Mm-hmm. It is really, first of all, in, in Dark World, I thought the ether was the soul stone. That was the thing that made the most sense. It possessed, yeah. yes. it possessed yeah. someone. It, it gets your sort soul. Of like soulish, but it didn't function at all in that film, which again, a testament to the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that that film, which is certainly in the bottom three, for many people, it's their bottom film. It's probably between that Honestly, uh, Iron Man like, 2 and Hulk. Hiddleston as Loki was like the only... Exactly. Anything they did together was great. Yeah. But the rest of it could, could go. But that movie became super important because of, of Endgame. It actually went back and made it a little bit more enjoyable and, and certainly made yeah. it more important. But yeah, the reality, Stone, you're never really clear on what exactly it does. Certainly in the movies, he uses it just for illusions. But nothing, it doesn't seem like anything that he does is permanent until he uses it to transform rocks into bats or, you know, it works. It seems to work well in concert with other stones. It enhances the abilities of of the other stones. You know, it's interesting. I had a weird little theory um, as I was writing a piece the other day that you may have read, uh, but but possibly not. And it's I know it's not a theory that like is going to pan out, but it was just like an interesting parallel is that a lot of the characters in WandaVision are now kind of the human versions of the infinity stones like wanda basically hmm. is hmm. like her like she basically acts she basically does what the reality stone should do <laughs> have done yeah. in the movies but literally never did anything other than again possess natalie portman um <laughs> and then you have you know like there's agatha harkness who she um well i guess she would be kind of the soul stone because she can warp people's minds and take them over like or so i don't know there's yeah. there's a couple different parallels i saw a lot of maybe like the space stone and monica rambeau because of all her cosmic connections so mm-hmm. yeah it's just funny that in the mcu some of the stones are very clearly defined and other ones are like um that's uh does reality stuff well whatever we'll figure it out it's it's cinematically the powers seem to get moved either added or taken away you mentioned wanda even wanda's power of getting into people's minds that she exhibits in age of Ultron. It's like, Hey, Wanda Maximoff, you mean the lady with the Russian accent who can mess with your mind? No, the lady with the American accent who can throw stuff around with red energy. Yeah. Wait, that's the same person, right? Exactly. It, and it, you know, it's, um, I don't know. It just makes me laugh because Marvel, I will say that Marvel, Marvel's figured out. And this is, I think what they've done so well is they figured out what really, drives a story and it's the character so they kind of hand wave the science stuff like the whole time heist thing and endgame they're like it's uh it's a quantum realm stuff you know whatever it's quantum realm like it's it's fine yeah just you don't need to know the details they're just going back in time that's all you need to know like i love that that think too hard into this and that's kind of what they did with the uh infinity stones too and they're like it does uh you know, has some powers. It's just, it's real, it's bad. It's very dangerous. Just yeah. don't touch it. <laughs> exactly. So, just don't touch this or you'll blow up like that lady in the collector's like, you, Nobody's supposed to be able to physically touch an infinity stone. And that was an, a hugely important part of Guardians of the Galaxy that Peter mm-hmm. Quill could touch it for at least a few minutes and not die. But then other people just pick up infinity stones and they're chill. So like, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, the power. It's, you're like the power sets are all over the place in this universe. Yeah. I can't tell what is the threshold at which you can actually touch one of these things. But yeah. uh, before we dig into any more of them, what are we looking for here? Are we looking at the stone? That is most important plot wise. Let's say we're keeping it to the movies for now because mm-hmm. the comics are so widespread. I think we can draw from them, but to have a concentrated version might yeah. be better to stick in the cinematic universe. Yeah, let's. I, and I most of these are MCU. Universe. Yeah. So is it? So we're talking about it's maybe importance to the overall plot, including the movies it's been in, plus the power. Is it which one you would like to have? What are we? How are we attacking? Prettiest this? color. For me, I would do most important to the the MCU, and that is for me. That's oh, there's only one stone. Mm. I mean, the rest were important, obviously, for different reasons. But there's only one that's been kind of the linchpin for a lot of things, mm. um, which well, I can that, really know. Yeah, or, well, let's hold. Let's wait. Let's yeah. let's go through them. I think mm-hmm. I know which one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So let's shift to a different one. Let's talk about the Power Stone from okay. uh, first appearing in Guardians of the Galaxy. Obviously, it's uh, what, um, oh my God, I can't remember his name. Ronan. Thank you. Ronan the Accuser mm-hmm. attaches to his giant hammer. My boy uh, Lee Pace. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, great, it serves well as a MacGuffin. You get a sense of how powerful it is right away. I mean, in terms of what it can do, independent of any other stone, it's probably the most dangerous sort of by itself. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the only movie I feel like where they really clarified how dangerous the stones were because then the danger transferred to Thanos. Mm-hmm. Like the stones kind of became secondary. It was like Thanos was the danger, which made sense. But Guardians of the Galaxy, I feel like, was the one movie that was really focused. And that was also the first movie we got the first explanation of the stones in, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. From the Collector. Yes. So I feel like that was the movie that really set up like, oh, these things are like reality, like universe-shattering, powerful artifacts. This is bad. Mm-hmm. And only two characters at that point that you know of are looking for all of them, one being the collector and the other being mm-hmm. Thanos. I think at this point you've already we're we're no, we haven't had Ultron yet, so we haven't seen the scene with Thanos grabbing the gauntlet and saying, Oh fine, I'll do it myself. But mm-hmm. we've already been introduced to him at the end of the first Avengers. Mm-hmm. Just you know that he wants the Tesseract for some mm-hmm. reason. And then I think that's when we pretty much realize, oh, this is the space stone. You sort of figured that out in First Avenger also. I didn't realize they do a very good job, at least on they did a good job on me in the Avengers of sort of the look at this hand, which is the <laughs> Tesseract, and mm-hmm. you don't even realize that he's also carrying the Mind Stone with him in that scepter. Mm-hmm. Just I just didn't even think about it until later on. But the, It is the, crazy that Loki had two Infinity Stones at one time. But I feel like if any character is just going <laughs> to be like, yeah. You should absolutely give me control of the Mind Stone and the Space Stone. It is I, Loki is definitely the character I would entrust that with. But what's interesting is that after the fact, Marvel released a book or it's on their site or something, but it's canon. Mm-hmm. That because a lot of fans were like, okay, like the whole jump from Loki. Like, sure, he was a real jerk in the first mm-hmm. Thor movie. Like, he did some awful things. But there's a big jump from like having, you know, familial beef, like a love-hate relationship with your brother and like working through, you know, find out you were adopted in a really bad way and literally trying to just invade and destroy the world. And Marvel confirmed that he was actually under the influence of the Mind Stone and the Scepter because he didn't actually know it was a Mind Stone. Ah, interesting. That's great. 
he thought it was a he thought it was a scepter that could control minds, but he did not mm-hmm. realize there was an infinity stone in the scepter, and it was slowly influencing him as well. Which is why, um, because a lot of people the first the Avengers movie when you first see Loki, he does not look well. Like he's right. pale and he has the circles under his eyes. And I was like, oh, oh, you need to lie down, sir. Like these should probably not be <laughs> like global invasion. You should probably like take a knee. And that was part of it too. It just, it wasn't made fully clear in the movie because of things that had to be cut, but that was, that happened too. So he technically carried both, but the one was working on him as much as he mm-hmm. worked on it and used it too. I want to go back just a little bit and talk about, because uh, you mentioned uh, the Space Stone, which is the Tesseract from Captain America onward. A lot of these stones, it, to my mind, being not a huge reader of the comics, but a big fan of the MCU, a lot of these stones have a very specific function. The Time Stone has a very specific function. The Soul Stone has a very specific function. I, for the life of me cannot tell the difference between what the space stone does and the power stone does. Basically, they're just, in my mind, they're just giant source, tiny sources of giant energy that well, they can, all are mm-hmm. that you can, sh- you can shoot that energy as a weapon using most of these, right? Like, I mean, he uses his staff and that shoots as a energy weapon when he comes back at the beginning of, um, I don't even remember what it, which movie it right. is, but there's a difference. The difference it seems to me is you, you so can I can things- shoot energy at you, but which stone is that energy is coming from determines what color that energy I'm shooting at you is, but it's there's, still going to knock you down. There's that. Although the, the scepter shoots blue because they put basically put blue gels over it for you theater geeks out there. <laughs> Essentially, they're all batteries, right? So you can power weapons theoretically off of any of them because they're mm-hmm. the source of power. But what they each do on their own, if you are not using them as a battery, is completely different. The space stone mm-hmm. moves you around through space. It allows you to – that's what the runner has in the comics that allows him to win all of his races. It's essentially cheating by moving himself through space quickly. Oh, gotcha. So it's stone. like that's the teleporting that Thanos yeah. is doing is space stone based. Yeah, well, I mean, in Endgame, the whole setup for the Loki series, which is going to introduce the Time Variance Authority, is him seeing the space on his feet, grabbing it, and then using it to teleport himself away. Mm-hmm. So he obviously, away from the Mind Stone, or is aware of what it is because Thanos has told him, he knows how to use it and uses it to escape. Mm-hmm. Side note, though, I will say I'm very excited for the Loki series because mm-hmm. I really feel that the MCU has done him dirty to this point. Mm-hmm. In the comics, he's crazy powerful. Like crazy powerful. Like I believe I can't remember what run it was, but the Silver Surfer basically said, like admitted, like Loki could destroy a planet if he wanted to. Like that's how powerful he is. And you saw a little bit of his magic in the very first Thor movie during the battle with like the Frost Giants. Like a lot of his like illusions and stuff, and his kind of trickster ability. Yeah. And then they kind of turned him into just a con man. And and I love him. And don't get me wrong, he's one of my favorite mm-hmm. characters in the MCU. I love Tom Hiddleston in the role. I think he's fantastic. But in terms of his power set, they really, really nerfed him. And I understand why, because the Thor movies are Thor's movies, not Loki's movies. Even though, let's be right. honest, really Loki's movies. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. like let's be honest. Uh, you know, like nobody's really watching Thor for Thor. We were watching for Loki, at least the first two movies. Yes. Um, but uh, so it's interesting because it's like. In the comics, he could have teleported and done that without 
the Tesseract, but it'll be really interesting to see what happens because now he's in the clutches of the Time Variance Authority. Mm-hmm. Is the Time Variance Authority that's like the Royal Chrono Patrol? What is this? Yeah, yeah so cops. they are. Time yeah, cops. So they're a, okay. basically. Yeah, they're like, like basically literally everything Loki does, like where he'll bounce around timelines mm-hmm. and he has the time stone and he's survived death like 37 times in the MCU or well, really only twice. But he they don't like that. They don't really like when people start messing with timelines because um, mm-hmm. things go awry. So they're not going to love him. And I imagine they might have a problem with Scarlet Witch down the road. But Mm-hmm. Yes. So yes, time cops. Okay, that makes more sense now. I love that we completely got off the power stone. Yes, which is where we started. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the power stone some more. That very is powerful, the very purple, it, very purple, very powerful. Ronan wants it through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. He, it's in an orb, and then he puts it in his big battle axe, his hammer. Yeah, that one's uh, easier because it's just a little bit. It's it's pure. It's basically pure power. Like you yeah. saw, there there's the kind of flashback or interlude scene where it showed the was it celestial the one slamming down yeah. the power stone mm-hmm. the staff and it just kind of obliterated that whole all the land in front of him. So mm-hmm. the power stone is pretty much the most straightforward in terms of what it can do. It's literally just pure power. It's just very pure, destructive power. Um, and and mm-hmm. it's a little bit different in the comics, but in the MCU, it's like just pure power. No. Can I throw out a theory and see what you think of it? We love theories. So we, obviously the stones are all different colors than the gems in the comics. They're all, mm-hmm. it's the same, I think, array of colors, but done differently. Yeah. Except for the purple. I think there's just a white one in the yeah. comics maybe. Yeah. But do you think that it was not a coincidence, but planned that the stone that can eat planets is purple, which is the same color as Galactus, his armor? Is it possible when he appears... Because we know Fantastic Four is coming, which means at some point Galactus will become Mm -hmm. the big bad or just a giant being that you're going to have to deal with at some point. Is there any relation? Am I going crazy that they said that they they made that purple just in case at some point we get Galactus back? Everybody knows that that's his color. I would not be surprised, but I think this is probably more one of those cases where it was coincidence, but then mm. later on after, like, fans are like, oh, it's Galactus. Mm. Barb's going to be like, uh, yeah. Yeah. We did that. We totally did that on purpose. <laughs> we were way ahead of you the whole time. I've done that a lot where, like, retroactively stuff that fans wanted to see mm-hmm. or that fans theorized or, like, were speculating about, like the whole <laughs> yeah. Loki being control of the Mind Stone thing, where I was like, yeah, yep. You're right. Mm-hmm. That's yes, absolutely <laughs> planned it to work out that way. You're yeah. welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about the space stone, talked a little bit about the power stone. Mm. We eliminated the reality stone, <laughs> right? We yep. eliminated yeah. the reality stone. You want to do yeah. the soul stone next? Because uh, yeah, I was going to say, let's jump into either the soul stone or the time stone. Let's go with the soul stone. Just get your soul stone. <laughs> Just let it shine through. We have not seen the last of the soul stone. Have we seen the last of any of these stones? Yeah. I they mean, were well. destroyed, essentially, at the end of... or They were destroyed by Thanos oh, at the beginning no. of Endgame, right? Although, mm-hmm. if you subscribe to, like, physics, mm-hmm. First Law of Thermodynamics... I get the magazine. Says, first Law of Thermodynamics says, energy cannot be destroyed, only transferred or transformed. Yes. So... Right. The the energy is still there, and WandaVision has proven it, basically. Mm-hmm. So I think the energy of these stones are all still out there, but I don't think we'll see... I don't think we'll necessarily see like the Infinity Stones again, um, yeah. as they mm-hmm. were, because that's just, that's just lazy storytelling. It's just right. stale storytelling. And I think Marvel's like, we've done that 
we've told the space stuff, the Infinity Stone. Now we're moving to the mystical multiverse portion of the MCU. So we will probably get to see that pocket dimension again. That the Soul Stone. Oh, you mean like like the Soul World and yeah, that that Soul yeah. World, and because that's the Soul Stone's other job is it is the portal into that dimension. Right? Are you talking about when he visited Meets Baby, Baby Gamora, Baby after, Gamora. after the yeah. snap? Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's possible. I mean, the, that was the theory for a while is that they were all trapped in the Soul Stone, or mm-hmm. were they all trapped in the Quantum Realm? Where yeah. Ant Man. That was that was a theory before Endgame came out. Oh, they're all with Ant Man, and he's the one who's going to spring them loose. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they didn't go that way. Yeah, right. they just sort of made them all disappear. But that is classically there have been characters, including the Silver Surfer Soul, that get trapped inside the Soul Stone. So mm-hmm. it's possible that that one might exist somewhere so that might be the if any of them are going to be able to reform it would probably be that one that can I do it on its own would not be surprised if we saw that come back into play somehow with mephisto since his entire thing is harvesting souls and keeping them in his realm mm-hmm. yeah so and as we all know literally everybody thought mephisto or hoped or prophesied that mephisto would show up in wandavision he did not which was not surprising yeah, I feel like he has to show up at some point, and he's mm-hmm. all about you know souls. I'm glad so, he didn't show up. Yeah, somebody yeah, made a so, good point, which is that yeah. they do a very good job if it's Thor's movie to not make it somebody else's. Like this is Wandavision it has to be about Wandavision, exactly. and when mm-hmm. you bring in Mephisto or if you bring in Reed Richards, then it becomes about that rather than mm-hmm. about specifically dealing with the grieving process, which. I don't it also know how many becomes about undermining Agatha Harkness as the villain. Yeah, we have very few like complicated, complex female villains in Marvel. And I don't think we have any female characters in the MCU that are because Agatha is not a pure villain. She's a mentor to to Wanda in the comics. And so Mm -hmm. and she kind of had hints of that in this. So I think we'll see her again. And so it was great to have her as just the kind of the antagonist, but not a villain. Mm -hmm. And a very complex that. Yes, I'm excited to see her. uh, Just knowing that Catherine Hahn is there and can age with the role. Mm-hmm. Like, give me her as Franklin's nanny in 10 years. Yeah. I'll be perfectly happy with that. That's a fun, like, just sort of journey where that character goes on to. Yeah. There's, there's that. also a theory now, too, that, um, that in this, this could be how maybe the soul stone or something. Again, I don't think we're going to actually see the stone, but I think we might see things play out that are kind of replace them as the, the, next kind of tent poles of the MCU in the next phase. There's a theory that Billy and Tommy are trapped in Wanda's kids from WandaVision are trapped in the, the dream realm, mm. in nightmares dream realm. Mm-hmm. But that could also be, they could also be in like something like that soul world or uh, a different you know dimension. So that could be how it comes back into play too. Yeah. You said something before that I think is fascinating because I, again, I'm not a big comic books person. I love the MCU movies. The idea that the first three phases were about the Infinity Stones and we're about to enter the realm and multiverse jumping series of movies that both excites me and that I think it's going to be very cool and terrifies me. And then I think it's going to confuse the crap out of me because I had enough trouble just keeping up with how the ether was a stone. So now that we're also going to be dealing with, well, it it, it, it died in this timeline, but we're going to jump over to this timeline now. That is. It's not necessarily timelines, but different dimensions. So okay. see, because, this is this is me not knowing any of this yeah. stuff. Alicia, so, I don't know what to do. So I'm in so the comics, scared. 
it's there are definitely different timelines, but like I try to explain on like different timelines. So like alternate timelines, mm-hmm. alternate realities, mm-hmm. um, and like parallel dimensions. Like those are all something different. They're all different things. They're all different things. Where the multiverse is basically these are all universes, but kind of like parallel universes all stacked together. Yeah. But not necessarily different timelines. So gotcha. we might meet different versions of different characters, but I don't think we'll start Loki will mess with time a lot in in, mm-hmm. in Loki, his series, but I think like Doctor Strange won't be as much the weird timeline stuff as it will be like he'll hop to this dimension, he'll meet a different version of Scarlet Witch where right. you know, something like that. Well he also doesn't have the eye of Agamotto anymore. Yeah. So Let's Good talk thing. about it's the time stone. Right. Let's yeah. talk about the time stone now. The Eye of Agamotto, which is the stone that can control time. Uh, one of the ones that, in my mind, is pretty easy to comprehend what that stone does. Yes. yes. If you eat an around. apple, you can make the yeah. apple go back to whole where you can yeah. rot it. It's also, yeah. I mean, it's he's wearing it because he's the sorcerer. It's worn by the sorcerer supreme of mm-hmm. Earth. That's who is the caretaker of the time stone. And why it's such a big deal in Infinity War when he willingly gives it up. It not only Mm -hmm. makes no sense because he Mm -hmm. refused to hand it over or use it. I think he, well, he tried to use it actually at the beginning of Infinity War. Mm -hmm. That's, that was one of the complaints is why didn't he ever try to use it? He did at -hmm. one point, but he couldn't get it open before Ebony Maw could sort of Mm -hmm. trap his hands. But him willingly giving it up is the only reason why Bruce Banner is able to get the time stone in mm-hmm. Endgame because that tells the ancient one that there's a reason why she needs to give it up as well. It's, I mean, it's for their neat. one job being to control that stone, that thing changes hands a lot and is destroyed by the end of all these movies. See, it's interesting because for my money, the time stone is one of the most powerful and most important mm-hmm. stones in the, the MCU. Yes. Because of just the huge impact it has on the, the major infinity, you know, gauntlet storyline mm-hmm. um and that was the moment that you that you just said uh, how that in infinity war where i was like oh it's gonna be fine i don't even need to know what happens in the next movie like obviously i knew it was gonna be okay because it's marvel yes but i was like oh th- okay this is okay he's got this he knows what's good he's already saw what's gonna happen this was the step that needed to happen to in his what was it 14 trillion or yeah However yeah. many realities he saw, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens because the time stone, even though he's crazy powerful on his own, as Loki says in Thor Ragnarok, um, when they're standing outside the nursing home where he left Odin and he's like, well, how was I supposed to know this would happen? I'm not a witch. Yeah. So it, it indicates <laughs> that like Dr. Strange isn't a witch. Loki isn't a witch. They're sorcerers and they're mages and they're different. Well, Loki's kind of a mage sorcerer. Dr. Strange is a sorcerer, but seeing into the future without the time stone isn't really one of his abilities and as the protector of the sanctum santorum it's kind of important for him to be able to see like and monitor threats yeah and will he still be able to do that without the time stone which that's going to be really interesting because that is one of the most powerful stones in the mcu i think yeah and it leads us directly into wandavision because it creates the trauma of her I, i mean great moment in that film also is you get this incredibly emotional moment where she destroys the mind stone to protect everyone and mm-hmm. you see their story sort of come to an end or go to a new place. His body is gray. So anybody who was a comics fan and read a lot of West Coast Avengers like I did as a kid yeah. knows, oh, that's what he looks like when he comes back in the comics. He's yeah. he's just white vision is going to come at some point. But then to have 
Thanos use the time stone. That's the, and that is the only time he uses it, he uses it once. Mm-hmm. I think the other stones he uses multiple times. That's the only time he uses the time stone is to restore it so he can rip it out of Vision's head. So she has to watch him die mm-hmm. twice, once at her own hand and once in a way she can't control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that kicks us into WandaVision. Yeah. Have we talked about, we've talked about all the stones except for the mind stone then, haven't we? Yes. I yeah. think we've talked about everything. The mind stone, this is leading us to, I mean, this thing, the mind stone is both. Wait, before we talk about the mind stone, should we take mm-hmm. a break? Yes. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. We're going to take a break. Everybody take a break. If you have a time stone, don't use it because no. otherwise you won't hear from all of these wonderful things. We got this with Mark and Hal is brought to you in part by Fortnite. Hal? Yeah. Folks, if you know anything about Fortnite, you'll know that every season there's some insanely cool story and map changes. Over the past few seasons, we've seen everything from the island flooding to the legendary black hole. I was there when the rocket launched. Were you? In this season, the zero point has been contained, but reality collapsed in the process, restoring a natural balance to the island. Craft weapons, hunt wildlife for food, and do everything it takes to survive. And I have survived. I've gone back-to-back victories in duos, along with the producer, Ken Plume. We both have our winner's umbrellas. I'm using it on a couple of my skins when I drop in. And uh, also back-to-back squad victories. But I'm not here to brag about it. Sounds like you are. A little little bit. Brag away. I don't know what any of that means. Well, I'm going to tell you, those of you in the know, that picking up the Battle Pass lets you run wild with the likes of Lara Croft and Teen Titans Raven. Jump into Fortnite now to experience it all. I'll be waiting for you. And I've been crafting weapons for a while. Oh. (laughs) Go to fn.gg slash season six and check it out. I hope you didn't use your time stones. Um, yeah. This is the honor system. We'll know. No, we will know how we will find out. We did. We have the other five stones. So if you use the mind stone, we we're not sure to use them though, because we, as we've established, we're not fully clear on their functions yet. I'm yeah, just surrounded right. by this red ether. I cannot figure out what to do with it or even what it does. But Natalie Portman's here with me and her eyes just turned black. Is this bad? Mm-hmm. Maybe you should leave for a little while. Go for a walk. Should I go? Let's go for a walk. Just go for a walk. See what happens. Fine. All right, let's talk about the Mind Stone. The Mind Stone, of course, is the stone both inside Loki's scepter, as Hal mentioned before. Mm -hmm. It's the big misdirect. Loki's looking for the Tesseract, but his uh, staff has the Mind Stone all along. And it later, of course, becomes the stone in the middle of Vision's forehead. And gave us Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. And technically, uh, Monica Rambeau. Yes. This, is, this is the most, I think, for my money, the Mind Stone is the most important to the MCU. Yeah. Not necessarily because it like saved the day like the Time Stone did or because it helps set up the MCU like the Space Stone did, mm-hmm. the Tesseract, but because it's responsible directly for so many superheroes. So Captain, this, I, this I didn't know. Too. How mm. has the Mind Stone, because really outside of Vision, this I didn't know this whole Children of the Mind Stone thing about Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. I didn't know. So wait, how's Captain Marvel from the Mind Stone? Or she was, oh no, maybe not Captain Marvel. That was the Space Stone. The Space Stone's involved. Yeah, that was the Tesseract. That was the engine that exploded. But the Mind Stone, that whole thing, like her being birthed in Mind Stone, that's, that's pure MCU. That's not her comic book story at all. Right. 
So that's purely MCU, which is interesting because now it looks like they're retconning. I was like, are they saying she's had her powers inherently since she was born? Because that sounds like mutants. That sure sounds like mutants to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, you got Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, technically even kind of Monica Rambeau because it was Wanda's hex field uh, in WandaVision with the cosmic energy radiation that warped Monica, which is funny because I called it because the minute she passed that barrier, I was like, I bet this is how she gets her powers. And then yeah. Darcy said cosmic background radiation. I was like, that's it. That's how she gets her powers. And then sure enough, was like the next episode, they're like, oh, this is a weird glitch. And you're in the x-ray. I'm like, touched it, called it. <laughs> so that's at least three, four, if you include vision, like Westview mm-hmm. vision. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Or really five, if you include the vision, all three versions of Vision, really, the Mind Stone had something to do with it. So you technically have six different superheroes, seven, eight, if you count Billy and Tommy, who comic book fans know that they grew up to be Wiccan and Speed in the comics. And Wiccan in the comics is crazy powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Mind Stone has either been directly or indirectly involved for the creation of at least eight heroes, powered people in the in the MCU. But aren't Speed and Wiccan also shards of Mephisto? Yes, but not sure how that's going to work in the MCU. Like, I think that's why everybody thought Mephisto was showing up. So in the comics, (laughs) in the comics, Mark's just like, Mm. huh, yes, yes. I'm just, I'm, I'm just gathering all of this. (laughs) After a big meal, I know about some shards of Mephisto. I can tell you that (laughs) much. I, I know my, my, so this is why everybody thought he was going to show up, right? Because in the mm-hmm. comics, Wanda creates, uh, she basically, she kind of does the same thing she did in the show where she, she creates her children, her twins out of thin air. But what she didn't realize at the time was she drew on, cause she's like this show. She didn't know how to really use her magic yet. And she's very chaotic and she accidentally created them, kind of brought their spark of to life by using fragments of Mephisto's soul. And when he found out about it, he took that back and they disappeared. And so she was so heartbroken that Agatha Harkness was like, here's a good idea because this never goes wrong in comics or fictional storytelling. Let's just erase her memories and never tell her she had children and they existed. Oh, um, to to help protect her from this pain because that always goes well and does not come <laughs> mm-hmm. back to bite anybody in the ass. Never. It might surprise you to learn it did indeed come back and bite them in the ass because Wasp said something thoughtlessly and it triggered Wanda's memories and she started. She remembered. Wait, what the hell? I had kids. Like, what happened? And that's what triggered the whole House of M storyline where she created a whole fake alternate reality. Um, because her powers were out of control and they were going to kill her, like basically to save the world. And so instead she created this whole fake alternate reality where she trapped all of the characters in the Marvel universe and gave them their happy, perfect life. And then Wolverine figured, he was like, this is not right. And they finally figured out they were in an alternate reality. And anyway, long story short, TLDR, it ended with her saying the famous phrase, no more mutants and basically like depowering 99% of the mutant population on earth and, pretty much almost extincting like extinction event for the mutants and they're still trying to rebuild today so it was a whole big major storyline and they really simplified it for wandavision but there are yeah. a lot of elements like many of the storylines they adapt are very simplified for the movies but they adapt the spirit of it yeah we're just getting a look at how powerful she is like mm-hmm. we're, we're mm-hmm. 
the idea that she can even the, the post credit scene this is full but we should put a spoiler we'll put it at the beginning it's fine uh, it, for wandavision yeah her astral projecting while also still walking around and preparing tea is mm-hmm. something that even steven strange can't do you see in the movies when he's studying anytime that that there's astral projection the body has to rest so the idea that she can she can do that and read the dark hold while also having tea and chilling out in a log cabin lets you know how much more powerful than him she is, which Agatha refers to when she says even more powerful mm-hmm. than the Sorcerer Supreme. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to have to get me one of those flashy things from Men in Black because <laughs> my plan was to start WandaVision this week. Oh, so, no. Uh, yeah. We so all- I am I am going to have to, my <laughs> brain is just going to have to let all of this go through. Well- Think of it this way. It's fine. It happens a lot. Think of it this way, though. You actually might enjoy it more because you actually have context for the stuff now. You're like, oh, Mm. I know what that is. Yeah. People are. And it's, yeah, it's brilliant. I actually have to sit and I want to sit and rewatch the whole thing now having been through it. The Mind Stone, too, I think is ultra powerful for that reason. And the most important because it explained, because this was one thing that bugged me in Endgame. Mm-hmm. And heading into WandaVision, this was a theory I had. I was wrong about how it worked out, but I thought it had something to do with the Mind Stone. I thought that when she killed Vision the first time in Infinity War, mm-hmm. she technically did destroy the stone. Yes. I thought, because again, I was like, well, energy can't, again, it can't like be destroyed. I wonder if she absorbed the energy of the Mind Stone and that's what powered her up. Because in Endgame, she was crazy powerful, like mm-hmm. way more power. She, like she got blipped, came back five years later, and all of a sudden she could almost take out Thanos single handedly. And it was like, okay, that's going to have to be explained. Like, that's a pretty yeah. big power jump. Like, And so it does get addressed in WandaVision, which I won't spoil for you, but it does have to do with the Mind Stone. And it explains a lot about it, but it's really interesting because it's really responsible for a lot of the characters that are going to be very important heading into mm-hmm. the MCU Phase 4. I mean, it sounds like... I look, as a person who has not seen WandaVision to know what power the Mind Stone still is wielding or still is holding over the MCU, even just with what we know from phase one through three and the fact that it was Loki's scepter and Vision's power source and it was what saved the day at the end of Ultron. It's what saved uh, or it's what was a linchpin moment in Infinity War and Endgame. Are we comfortable? Are there any challengers to the throne that it seems like the Mind Stone is sitting on? I would say maybe the Time Stone, only because mm-hmm. it was such an integral role in the Infinity Gauntlet arc at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But honestly, I even before we started this, like when Ken invited me to do this, I was, he was like, oh, it's which one is the best? I'm like, oh, Mind Stone. I'm, yeah. I don't care. I'm going with Mindstone. Uh, so. Is it the one you'd most want to have? It's a fun way of looking at it, too. I probably want to have the Time Stone because I'm still not real clear on what the Mindstone does. And I feel like in my hand, like I just would not trust myself with the Mindstone. Mm-hmm. Like the Time Stone, I'd do stuff like I'd go back to like 1820 and give John Keats like just a bunch of antibiotics. Like just trust me, start <laughs> taking these. Like start taking these like now just trust me on this. And I'd blip out of existence. Like I wouldn't do anything major. Like I like, I wouldn't kill baby Hitler. Boring. Like I would do like random stuff like that. Right. But I feel like I would probably, I'd really F up someone if I had the mind stone completely unintentionally. No, that is the thing about the time stone though, that like all of these are sort of, you know, 
weird nebulous ideas of a type of power and how it weaves in and time stone that's a time machine we all know how a time machine works we've all seen dozens of movies and tv shows over the years about there being time machines and the ramifications of that you mentioned something earlier that i think is great in the way that these are MacGuffins, it doesn't really matter like i remember ben acker saying years ago a friend of ours uh who's been on the show a couple of times that the least interesting part of any time travel movie is the mechanics of how the time travel works yeah. it's i i said they doctor who'd it where he's like it's wibbly wobbly timey wimey duck <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. that's Fine. all, that that's all you need that's all i need or not Doctor Strange, Doctor Who, the doctor who's like mm. thousands and thousands of years old and can travel through time and space. That's how he describes it. Because he's like, yeah, your tiny human brain's not going to understand this. It's wibbly wobbly, yeah. timely wanty stuff, period. And I was really waiting for them to say that line. And they did. Uh, <laughs> but so I would rank it probably, Mindstone would be like at the top. Mm-hmm. And the time stone and maybe the space stone would be like 2A and 2B. And then the ether is like ninth. Of the six. Yeah, the ether's like honorable mention. <laughs> then there's probably the power stone is probably like three. Yeah. Then the soul stone, I guess, because even though it was only in only one movie, at least it had a clear purpose. Although it's, yeah, soul stone is more of a plot device that we never really yeah. got to see what it did. Yeah. It was more about what you had to give up to get it. Yes. And also, it's the reason we no longer have Natasha, which I will forever be salty for because it should have been Hawkeye going over that damn cliff. But um, <laughs> yeah, really, I mean, yeah, I think I, I'm with you it, on that. I, I think you can make a case for Hawkeye. I also felt like I, I completely get that argument. I felt like it was a really smart end to her arc because that was her redemption. That was her oh, sacrifice. Logically, I get that. Like, yeah, but me, like, I know that. But the fangirl in me is just mad as hell. We'll probably never see the Winter Soldier Black Widow relationship from the comics. Right. Which I will die mad about. And then, yes, the Reality Stone is like <laughs> not even the Reality Stone is was a bad plot device and all because it didn't even fully really fit into the movie. Like it never fully made sense. And also mm-hmm. we don't really know yeah. what his powers are. So it can turn Palm Clementine into ribbons. That's yeah. all we know. Oh yeah. And like <laughs> it makes abstract art. And Dave Bautista bricks. That's true. It does. Lego. It makes Lego Bautista. <laughs> it makes weird, like turn of the century, like art deco, like impressionistic or post impressionistic right. art. Yeah. It turns everyone into a Picasso. That's what it does. Yes. Well, it sounds like, the, see, look, we've been utilizing your brain for this show for five years now. It's nice to do it directly because yes. when we have you on and do it directly, we not only determine which is the best of the six Infinity Stones, we even get power ranking of the top six uh, or top five with our honorable mention of uh, the ether. I, I feel like the time stone and space stone, some fans and listeners might have arguments about that because I would kind of rank them the same because the space stone is really important at the beginning of the MCU. The time yes. stone is really important at the end of the infinity gauntlet arc. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why I rank them on the same level, but people might disagree with that. Uh, no, they can't. no, this because is, this is definitive for all time. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll take care no of that argument. Right now. People yeah. of the world, the best infinity stone of the six is the Mind Stone. It's created heroes. It's created villains who became heroes. It has been an acceptor. What, did it, what are the other ones? Was it a scepter? Oh, yeah. And that's another thing. It influenced a freaking demigod. Yeah. It that's turned cool. Loki yeah. into a murder zombie, sort of. He's much more <laughs> aggressive than he is in any of the other films. Because he, he prefers like to work in the margins. Flu. It gave him a yeah. really bad flu. It gave him the flu or flu-like symptoms. 
We don't know. He didn't refuse to see a doctor. He looked like Avengers. the people look at the beginning of the stand when they get yeah. rips like in the first few hours. So that's what makes it the best stone. It is <laughs> the most important and continues to be important. The ripples of the Mind Stone continue mm-hmm. to be felt across the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that is why it's the best Infinity Stone asked and answered, which means nobody can argue it anymore. That's right. Get it's it. all done. Oh, it feels so good to put a pop culture argument to rest, to know that know never more. again, on the inter- yeah, the internet is now free of that. You won't see anybody talking about it ever again. Yeah. Alicia Grasso, thank you for joining us. Thank you Please. for having me. It was fun. I'm always willing to talk movies and nerd stuff, so... Well, you'll be back then. You just Excellent. you just signed on to return at some point. We can do, do a definitive tell- ranking of the the different universes in the multiverse. Oh, oh this is terrifying, you guys. I'm so scared. <laughs> oh, like we could introduce Mark, Mark to Battle World. It'd be a whole thing. <laughs> is this when you two both try to kill me? So it's a whole thing from the comics where it's like this Secret whole Wars. yeah, it's it, the, all these different realms in the Marvel universe that kind of ended up getting smushed together on the same map. So it was like imagine oh all these alternate universes and stuff like all together and it, and then it, the Capcom characters show up. Yeah, and it's they like all the battle. battle world, and it's a whole, it's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. <laughs> oh my goodness! Somehow the Undertaker from WWE is there. Of course, he's he's everywhere. <laughs> Dead man walking. Alicia, where can everybody find you online? Anything you want to plug? The floor is yours. You can find me. Twitter is probably the place where I'm most active uh, at aliciagrauso.com. And my name is weird. So I will spell that A-L-I-S-H-A-G-R-A-U-S-O. You can pretty much find me around the internet on that name. Since again, it's so weird. It's easy to Google. Screen Rant, Adam Tickets. I have other bylines around the web too. Some on Marvel. So yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's great to have a bona fide expert on the show. Thank you guys. So excited that you could come and play. This topic is close, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets or... You can email us at wegotthispodcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group. Talk about your favorite Infinity Stones past, present, and future. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash we got this podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And of course, thanks to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, for giving us a chance to sit down and talk about obviously we're huge mcu fans obviously we wanted to get an expert on thank you for giving us the opportunity to do that thank you thank you thank you for hal lublin i'm mark gagliardi for mark gagliardi i'm hal lublin and don't worry everybody we, we got, got this we got this maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned audience supported